This episode of the OU Insider Under the Visor podcast is sponsored in part by Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female-driven and has long been the wild, wild west for men. That's why they're making the solution simple, starting with the regimen. The regimen includes three products, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate starts and ends your day. This face wash leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother and helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skin care made only with top-tier ingredients, and clinical trials have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger-looking appearance after using Caldera Lab for just a few weeks. One minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. So join over 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab skincare products. Use code OUINSIDER at calderalab.com and get 20% off your first purchase. Excellence has been established by Coach Wilkinson, Coach Switzer, and Coach Stoops. It's my responsibility to end that standard and to build upon that standard. Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast with your host, Jesse Crittenden and Brian Clinton. Hello, Sooner Nation, OU Insider subscribers, Red River Rivalry fanatics, Brian Clinton enthusiasts, of course, anybody who's looking to avoid hail damage to their car, like I am later, it's supposed to hail in Norman later this afternoon. I'm a little worried about that. Don't Welcome. forget our... Huh? Don't for, don't forget our funnel cake enthusiasts. Oh, that's right. Of course. <laughs> People who like drinking a beer at nine o'clock in the morning at this Texas State Fair. This weekend is for you. Welcome to the latest episode of the Oklahoma Drill powered by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. I am Jesse Crittenden. That is my co-host, Brian Clinton. Mr. Clinton, Coach Clinton, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little disappointed that I don't get to try all the delectable delights and and fried foods down there with you guys in Dallas, but uh, I'll have her. I'll have her covered from up here, so don't worry about that. I was about to say. I think what you can do is have a six pack by kick by kickoff, and you're still getting the same. You're still getting the Texas State Fair experience, deal. Uh, <laughs> even in Collinsville, America. I got to tell you though, man, the tech the Texas State Fair is it's like a fever dream. It's an it anomaly is. every week. Yeah. It's like it's like its own little universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brian, before we kick things off, you know, you know, people who've listened to our first few episodes, they know what we're gonna do. We're gonna recap uh, OU's win over Iowa State, fifty to twenty. Uh, but we've got plenty to talk about when it comes to this OU Texas matchup this weekend at eleven a.m. on Saturday. But Brian, before we start off with that, there's been a lot of debate about what the name of the rivalry should be and i've always said it should be red river rivalry so when that announcement came out a couple of months ago that that was the official name this year that made me happy what what's the what is the name of the rivalry to you it's red river rivalry we all have to go through that phase of growing up in our adolescence and struggling to say that tongue twister that's just (laughs) part of it um i was okay with red river shootout but it just it didn't have the same it didn't have the same feel i i think red river rivalry is the is the right way of going about it it is kind of a tongue twister. 
Uh-huh. But if you can get it, it flows off the tongue. It's it's yes. it's and Red River Showdown, Red River Shootout always felt like a watered down. It did, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think okay. I'm glad we're on the same page about yeah. that. So with that, it is the Red River rivalry. I don't care what they change it to. Once OU and Texas go to the SEC, it is the Red River rivalry. Brian, uh, we were both at Saturday's game uh, where OU defeated Iowa State 50 to 20. Close game. In that second quarter, uh, it was 21-20, uh, and things – I mean, OU's defense didn't look good through the most of that first half. Didn't look good. The OU offense was really good most of the game, but for a little bit there, I think fans everywhere were a little nervous, but OU pulls away in that second half. Uh, what was your overall takeaway, you know, from your vantage point on the field? So – Obviously, OU gets off to that fast start with the pick six, uh, and everybody, you know, everything's electric. The stadium's going nuts. Defense comes right back out on the field, um, and, and then you know you've got the big busted touchdown play to to Jalen Knoll. Um, not very long after that, um, and it was like you know you could feel the the atmosphere get sucked out of that stadium really fast. It was like whoa, that hadn't happened yet. This like, what's going on here? Um, and then, you know, it kind of progresses to this point where uh, Iowa State's, you know, they're picking up some chunk plays in the ground game. And and then you have another chunk, uh, and, you know, for the very first play of the second quarter is like a 58 or what, whatever, however 67. long it was. Yeah, a long touchdown. Yeah, big time touchdown. Uh, and, you know, people were nervous. I mean, you could really feel it. And so my takeaway from that was, it looked like Iowa State was was running some things that they hadn't run to that point yet. They were running some stuff and some gap scheme stuff um, that Oklahoma just had to adjust to. And once they did, they were dominant once again. I mean, and, you know, I think that's going to happen from time to time throughout the season. Um, but the thing is, they adjusted. They made in-game adjustments, and they got back to playing dominant football. And I think that speaks a lot for what this team is compared to what it's maybe been on the defensive side uh, in the past. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think if you were looking at this game, you and I talked about it a few days before it's, you know, this is a game where you should dominate. We said mm-hmm. that going in and they did eventually end up dominating it. It wasn't in the fashion that we were expecting, but the thing that stood out to me, Brian was 82 total yards for Iowa state's offense in the second half, yeah. 82. Yeah. And when you look at that first half, Iowa state was averaging 7.6 yards per carry in that first half. I mean, it wasn't like the two big plays, uh, the two big touchdowns, you know, you can, you look can at, explain those away almost. You, yes. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. that's why, like I, I had heard a couple people say, well, it was just those big plays. No, it wasn't for a lot of that first half. Iowa state was ripping off chunk plays just, just and it over and over again. Didn't matter what running back it was. Any mm-hmm. got anybody that they threw in there. I mean, they were ripping off chunk plays. Like you just said, it was, I mean, they were almost a first down a carry. So yeah. it was concerning, but the adjustments. Yeah. When you, when, I mean, again, not everything has to be fed through the prism of last year to this year, but if you're looking at last year's defense, mm-hmm. that, that first 20 minutes looked like last year's defense. But for this defense to not only settle down, make those adjustments, but completely dominate over the last nearly 40 minutes of the game, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. And it's still a conference opponent. No, they're going to face better offenses than Iowa State. They're going to face a much better one this weekend. But that's the kind of stuff you want to see is can this defense settle down? Can they make those adjustments? That's just not what happened last year. Once the ball, you know, once the stuff started spiraling, 
that was mm-hmm. it. And I think for this OU offense, I considering, I mean, Cincinnati's defense, I think is a little better than Iowa state's, but for OU's offense to consistently just move the ball, um, get chunk plays the entire game. Dylan Gabriel, I thought for the most part was pretty fantastic. Uh, that running game still just through five weeks. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It was actually the, the, most it's struggled all season and against Iowa state. I mean, just 3.8 yards per carry. So if there's one, if there's one little thing that I think is still a thorn in the side of this offense, but it's still hard to complain too much about 50 points and uh, you know, it's only punting twice on the day. It's hard to complain too much about that. So Brian, we'll let's uh, let's segue into what's happened. Uh, you know, the last couple of days it's red river rivalry week. Brian, it's been pretty interesting. I mean, we showed up to player availability on Monday to be told that we're only getting four players on Monday night and none on Tuesday. And for people who aren't fully familiar with the media schedule, we get players Monday and Tuesday night, and we usually get anywhere from 12 to 15 players that we can talk to. So it was a huge change to not only get just four players on Monday and none on Tuesday, but again, to not have Jeff Levy and Ted Roos press conferences on Monday. Uh, and Brent Venables talked about it on Tuesday and his message was that they don't want, they don't want, I mean, he doesn't want the players to look back at last week. He wants them to be fully focused on this weekend. And I think the coaches and the players are going to, are, have tried very hard to say, this is just like any other week, Brian, it's not any other week. Did that surprise you at all? Just the, the, the diminished media coverage. And does that maybe, is that an example of this? This is a huge week, not just because it's red river, but because of the stakes going in. Hey, Sooners fans. We would like to thank our new sponsor manscaped who has taken a step away from Halloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. Fellas, let's be honest. No woman wants to see their man throw away their hygiene, right? And all women love a well-manicured face and beard. That's why I ordered the handyman to make sure my neck and beard line looks the best it can all the time for my wife and for these podcasts and OU Insider Lives. So whether you want to look fresh and clean-shaved or you want to have a clean-looking, well-manicured beard, all you have to do is go get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code OUINSIDER at Manscaped. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code OUINSIDER. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself a handyman from manscaped.com. Yeah, I I would say that it it is, it's an interesting way of looking at it if you're the Oklahoma coaching staff, but I I also would say that it, it may be needed with this team. I mean, think about it you've got so many guys that are going to walk into the cotton bowl for the first time. And if, if uh, coach Venables can kind of, if, if he can really put that into his own words and help them, he's, he's been there plenty of times. It's not like this is going to be his first go around. Um, he's been there several times and it's something that if he can really bottle up, uh, everything that's going on, all the outside noise this week, and make sure those guys are going into this prepared. He can deal with, you know, the craziness of the of the fair and all of that when it gets there. And and I think that you know, playing in front of eighty thousand fans every week at home helps to that extent a little bit. But there's just nothing that really can truly prepare a player 
or even coaches for what they get into when they walk into the cotton bowl. And so, um, you know, all that to be said, I, I think, I think what the, the route that he is, that coach Venables is taking and that the staff is taking, um, while it may be a little interesting to, to the outside perspective, I think as far as from where he's coming from, it, it's a good, it's a good thing because look, you're not giving, you're not giving out any bulletin board material, which obviously, I mean, if it takes bulletin board material to get you up for this game, I, I don't know what's wrong with you, but, uh, you're not, you don't have those kinds of things going out and they're focused on what's important. And he's very, very clear that they take things one week at a time, nameless, faceless opponent. We've all heard it 5,000 times already, but that's a good way of going about it. And that's what you have to do. You've got to reset every week. Don't ever get complacent. Every goal every week needs to be attained. It needs to be made. So I, I like, I like the the way that they're going about it. It was pretty funny. Uh, Brent Venables came out and immediately like within seconds said, I'm assuming this is going to be the first time this year that you guys actually want to talk about the opponent. And that's, that's a fair dig. And I, and I'll say this to somebody who's been, who's covered OU for three years. It's been to every coach's press conference outside of Texas and maybe Oklahoma state. There's usually not a ton of, of looking at the opponent. And I'm, I don't know if guilty is the right word. I'm as guilty of that <laughs> as anybody else. Uh, when the, when the clock turns to Texas, it's just, it's just a little bit different. Uh, but you know, we got, we got four players on Monday. We got, uh, Dylan Gabriel, Woody Washington, McCade Matower, and Drake Stoops, four seniors. I think it makes sense. Um, and I think they were, they were pretty focused on the task at hand, but I'll, I'll give you two things that stood out to me, Brian. I think the first one was I asked McCade about the running game. He made a comment that, you know, they're only averaging four point yards per care or 4.0 yards per carry right now. And that needs to be more like five or six. And OU has not ran for more than four, 4.4 yards per carry in a game this season. So I think they know that the running game uh, is, is an area of concern. I asked him, I was like, how much is it not only just you guys doing your job up front and the running backs to do their job up, you know, to do their job, you know, but for both units to be on the same page, is that missing right now? How much has that been a focus? And he said that DeMarco Murray, he's heard DeMarco Murray in practices the last couple of days, like specify, like you guys need to do this. You need to do this so that the linebackers do this and, you know, and pull into the offensive linemen. So basically just saying that the running back, the running backs, in the offensive line just haven't shown great synergy. Right. So far, have you seen that? I mean, I know you're kind of a line of scrimmage offensive line guy. Have you seen maybe a lack of chemistry between those two units? I think that's a really good way of putting it because I, I remember a, a couple of times thinking, man, the timing just seems off. Like this, the things just don't seem to be working in unison. And, and obviously, you know, football is a game where you need all guys, all 11 guys on the field at the same time to do exactly what they're supposed to. And if they don't, it doesn't, you know, the play doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And so uh, I think this is one of those cases where, um, you know, we've seen a lot of tight end blocking as well. Austin Stogner, that may not be his strong suit. And there, there's been some things uh, that we saw even last week where he, he struggled to set an edge. And, um, you know, you add in uh, not knowing what the running back rotation uh, really looks like to this point. Um, uh, and there's just a lot of question marks. Now I still think Oklahoma has the pieces. 
Um, you know, how many times did we hear people comment or, or even Jeff Levy say that they were really confident that they were going to be able to run the ball very well this year? Um, you know, and, and I think, I think it's just a matter of getting it put together. Unfortunately, you're coming into probably what's going to be the best defensive front you're going to face all season yeah. and you haven't got it figured out yet. Yeah. That's, I think it was again, and I've said this a million times. I, I don't know if it's about even panicking now, but I think Iowa state has a solid defense, but I think he wanted to see, OU run for more than 3.8 yards per carry. Right. I, I think he just did. And I know we've we've talked about the running game to depth, but this has just been a surprise. It's just a unit that I think most of us thought was going to be the strong point of this offense coming in has not been. And uh, I was looking at this, Brian, I was going through some of the stats. The team that has finished with the most rushing yards in this series, in this rivalry, has won the last five games. So, I mean, if you... That's what, and I, you know, in part, and I've talked about that with some people who are like, well, if Dylan Gabriel plays really well, I mean, yeah, Dylan Gabriel would need to play really, really well. But the team that runs the ball better typically is the team that wins. Right. I'm not saying you can't win if you don't run the ball well, but that's enough of a sample size to tell me that I think this OU running game needs, I mean, they, they've got to be better than they have been. And that's a tough task against Texas. And again, we look at the, we look at the, uh, we look at the rotation of Marcus major started the last two games. He's seen the bulk of the carries uh, the last two games. Tawi Walker's only seen nine carries uh, the last two games. Javante Barnes hasn't seen a snap. Brent Venables touched on it. He's not fully healthy. Gavin Sawchuk not fully explosive. Um, I mean, how much, I guess to everything you were just saying, Brian, I mean, how much is that? How much is that a concern coming into coming into this game? Well, I remember even growing up, um, you know, in the early 2000s, that stat being used that, you know, the team that runs the ball well in this game is who wins. You know, it goes back a long way. That's been, and it's because it's always been a physical football game. Um, one of the constants that we've seen in this uh, rivalry is how important it is to win a line of scrimmage when you've got two physical football teams that are. I mean, pretty much lashing out with all kinds of hatred towards one another for 60 minutes. And uh, that, that's just what it is. And, and it's it's an energy-charged game. It always will be. Uh, and the running game is, is, a big, is a big part of that. Uh, and so I think when you have an offensive line that wants to oppose it, you know, it wants to impose its will against opponents, um, you know, this is the kind of game where that has to happen. And that's why it's been so important over the years. I will say, it is a little um, the the Texas the Texas average yards per game right now at one hundred ninety one point eight is a little bit is a little skewed uh, just a little bit because last week they rushed for three hundred thirty six against a Kansas front that I think isn't as good as it looked in the first few games. Mm -hmm. um, so that you know, before that they were right around one hundred and fifty yards. So don't come into this thinking, oh my gosh, you know. Oklahoma's just going to get run through. I, I don't think that at all. I, I, I think that this is going to be a very close game, uh, you know, and, and we can get into more of that later. But as far as rushing, running the ball, it has to get better. And you, and you hope that this is the game where um, maybe some things get pulled out of the out of the hat that we haven't seen just yet. 
Well, and I think the other noteworthy thing too, just to quickly touch on it, Dylan Gabriel being one of the guys we we spoke to uh, on Monday. People who watched the game last year remember why OU scored zero points, <laughs> why Texas won forty nine to nothing. It's because Dylan Gabriel wasn't on the field, and I it's obviously it's it's huge that Dylan Gabriel is healthy this year um, going into this game. But, you know, one of the things he talked about on Monday was, was that he's, he's remembering, he's remembering how to have fun again. He's remembering how to, how to kind of play free. And I think we've seen him play with a chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. the last two games. I That's going to be important coming into this game where the atmosphere is naturally going to be chippy, where it's naturally going to be a really, it, the, the crowd is going to be hectic and, there's going to be a lot of animosity and things like that. I mean, how important – I mean, Dylan Gabriel is in the top ten statistically in nearly every category. Um, but, I mean, how much is a, how much of an F, X factor maybe is that chip that Dylan Gabriel is playing with right now? It's a big one uh, because I, I think, you know, just like I, – I, I would liken it to a point guard. If a point guard lacks confidence in basketball – you know, it's going to really throw off his game. And I think at, at the quarterback level where you're running this team up and down the field, confidence has a lot to do with what you're, what you're doing. I mean, the muscle memory is there throwing the football. It is. You've been, he's thrown more footballs than I've probably, <laughs> I mean, that I, then you could really understand. And so uh, I, I think it comes down to confidence and, and having confidence in the guys that you're, that you're throwing the ball to and, and, and your offensive line, uh, you know, they've done a, pretty good job this year keeping him set uh keeping him clean i think they're allowing uh the second least sacks in in the big 12 uh behind iowa state and i really like uh the way that things have looked for them at that point and a lot of that has been because of how uh the edge that he's played with especially last week like you could really tell that they took it up a notch in intensity last week and uh, i think that's going to be really important especially as you said, in an atmosphere where things are going to be hostile, it's going to be, it's going to be a back and forth game and and he's going to need to keep that edge. And that'll be important. Brian, let's break down this game. I think that's what everybody is looking for. Uh, we're coming into uh I mean, it's, it's another morning kickoff 11 AM on Saturday on ABC. Texas is coming in as a, is nearly a touchdown favorite, which is, I'll be honest, is a little surprising to me. Not that uh, Texas is favored, but favored by that much. I expected this to be a, a three or four point line, not a six or seven point line. So that is a little surprising. Brian, we've touched on it already, but one of the things that Brent Venables and McCade uh, have ta- or talked about is this is going to be one at the line of scrimmage. It just is. This is, it's historically, it's always been that way. You look at this Texas front or this defensive front, 13 sacks on the year. Um, you look at this this Texas offensive line that, like you said, the, the running stats look good. Maybe they're a little skewed, um, but they've given up nine sacks on the year. So maybe pass protection is maybe an, an area of vulnerability. But let me ask you this, Brian. Instead of just asking you to break down the line of scrimmage, let me ask you, are you more interested in the battle between OU's offensive line and Texas's defensive line or vice versa? Where do, what do you think is the real battleground in this game? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, man, that's a, is good it one. both? Is it a tie? Yeah, I, 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 ha- I would have a really hard time picking between the two, but I, if I had to, uh, I, th- I think I would say it, it ends up being uh, Oklahoma's offensive line against Texas's defensive I, line. I agree. 
Um, I agree. You know, I think, look, Texas, when they went into Tuscaloosa in week two, they had five sacks and nine tackles for loss in that game. Now, I fully believe 100% that Oklahoma's offensive line at this point in time right now is better than what Alabama's offensive line was in week two. And I would say it's probably better than what Alabama has right now. This offensive line has been really good in pass protection, and that's what Oklahoma has spent a lot of its time doing. Um, you know, yes, the run game, running game, we could talk about it for forever, but um, I think the strength that Oklahoma has uh, along the offensive line, they kind of match up fairly well with, with what Texas uh, maybe struggles with. Um, they don't have an elite pass rusher on the edge right now. Their interior pass rush has been pretty good. Tavondre Sweat is a freak. Uh, it, the thing that that the athleticism that that guy shows at 362 pounds is is nuts. Um, there's no way around that. He's going to be a problem on the interior. But I do think that Oklahoma's offensive line has a really good chance to uh, impose its will at times, um, especially if if they can use tempo to their uh, to their benefit. It's going to have to be you've got to be really careful about how you use tempo. We've all seen what happens. You know, we saw a lot of it last year. What happens when you don't use it properly? Um, you can really put your defense in a bad spot. But um, if they can find a way to to work things out right, I, I think that's the battle that you've got to watch for. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think I think the offensive line, OU's offensive line against Texas defensive line, I think is going to be really interesting just because uh, the pass protection has been so good, like you said, but the running game has been a little bit of a struggle. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think that's that's really going to be, I think, where this game is won. And we, and so, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, yeah, the team that runs the ball typically wins this game, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if OU comes to this game leaning fully in on its passing game, the stuff that it's doing really well because the offensive line is protecting uh, pass protecting so well because Dylan Gabriel's had a really good rhythm for most of this season wouldn't surprise me if that's if that's maybe the focus of that of that attack yeah and I, I and I would even say uh it may be one of those things where Texas even comes in early with a lighter box you know and, and it may be it may open up some running lanes to help Oklahoma and you have to ebb and flow with that as a play caller so um yeah I I, I thought the exact same thing Oklahoma's gonna lean on its passing game in this game they're gonna have to um especially with what we saw Texas give up a couple of times. Um, I, I actually wrote about uh, something with, with Texas's defense. They've given up four passing touchdowns this year. And the shortest one of those was 19 yards. Every other one of them was, was 39 yards or more. And so um, they're going to have to lean on that passing game. Yeah, I'll give a I'll give a quick shout out uh, to anybody out there. Brian writes a weekly scouting report at OUinsider.com. Uh, the one on Texas has just been published. And then, uh, Brian, you also do your field vision series where you break down film on the opponent. Everyone should go check that stuff out. It's really good. Dives into uh, a lot of the X's and O's, the minutia of these games. Uh, fully, fully <laughs> recommend everybody go check that out. Uh, but Brian, I agree with you. And I think Parker said it together today, but I agree. I think a track meet kind of game favors Oklahoma. I think sure. a slow ground and pound type of game that favors Texas. It just does. Absolutely. So OU is going to have to find the balance between finding some success on the ground, but also 
writing kind of the things that have gotten them this far, which has really been the passing game. We look at the other side of the ball, Brian. Uh, Quinn Ewers has been pretty good um, this year. I think he's been better than he was last year. His stats are are pretty good. Um, 10 passing touchdowns. He's averaging 271 passing yards a game. He's completing 66% of his passes. Uh, only one interception on the season. Uh, I think Quinn Ewers has been pretty good, but really it's 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 this receiving core you know, with Worthy and Mitchell and Brent Venables even alluded to it on, on Tuesday that he, he even said, if you guys have any answers for us, shout them out because that's going to be, it is going to be tough. Brian, what do you think is, is it how, I mean, obviously all aspects of this are going to be important, but how much is, you know, to stop this Texas, uh, this Texas offense, how much is it going to be on the defensive line to get pressure on Quinn Ewers? Or how much is this going to be OU secondary needing to make plays and one-on-one coverage? I mean, obviously you need both, but what are you really looking at the most coming in? I'm going to be really interested to see how um, how Brent Venables and the, the defensive staff dial up pressure against against Quinn Ewers because – I think that yes, you could probably get some pressure with with four guys, uh, but I think that they're going to have to be really creative in in where they're bringing pressure from because anytime you take a guy out of coverage, you're leaving a potential gap for those those receivers to fill, and that's a problem. But if you can disguise it well enough, which I don't think there's a a mind in the game better at at, dis- at disguising blitzes than than Brent Venables. Um, you know, they can be really, really uh, effective. And so I'm looking for them finding that balance between bringing pressure from, you know, other ends of the, of the field or other places besides the defensive line uh, while being able to, to back cover um, and continue to keep those wide receivers under check because they are absolutely a problem. I, I agree with you because I think the worst thing you can do if you're Oklahoma is is not is is give Quinn Ewers time to throw because that's yeah. obviously when he's at his best. But I think I think you're setting yourself up to fail if you're counting on OU secondary to make play after mm-hmm. play. Not that they won't make plays. OU right. has ten interceptions through five weeks. It's really good. But I think if you're expecting, you know, for for guys to make plays one on one against Xavier Worthy. That's I think that's just a losing proposition. What you can do is get pressure in the backfield, make those throws tougher, give that secondary a little bit of a boost in, you know, where where things don't have to be so perfect, you know, and I so I do. I think the main thing I'm going to be looking for defensively is for OU to get pressure. And uh, Brian, I think the main thing that's going to be fun is is just seeing Brent Venable's defense. Like like last year we didn't really get to see this, but Brent Venable's one of the one of the best defensive minds in the game against Steve Sarkeesian, who is a really really good uh I mean one of the best offensive coordinators, offensive play callers in the game. We were kind of robbed of that last mm-hmm. year. But I think this is going to be a real technical Xs and Os adjustments kind of battle i don't think it's just going to be oh every team's going to have their way i think you're going to see both sides of the ball for both teams make adjustments Uh, that's just going to be fun from an x's and o standpoint yeah well and and this is one of those this is truly going to be one of those games where it's going to be it's chess i mean it truly is chess you you come into the game uh you're going to get to see what both of these guys plan throughout the week coming into the game 
uh, in the first half. But I think where both of these uh, coaches excel is is their uh, adjustments and their halftime adjustments. Uh, we, we've seen Oklahoma really lock things down defensively in the second half all season long. Um, and we, we've also seen uh, Texas pull away from its opponents in the second half because Sarkeesian does a really, really good job adjusting to what he's seeing. And so uh, the interesting thing is going to be uh, – Sarkeesian does not have very many tendencies when it comes to playing call, uh, play calling. Excuse me. Um, he he's really hard to get a hold of on on what he's doing, and so uh, you know I, I've heard I heard somebody put it uh, that he he goes against the grain on whenever he whenever he uh, plays calls plays, and so it'll be interesting to see how uh, Venables combats that. But I, I I think if there's anybody out there that can do it, it's him. That that's the kind of guy that. Uh, puts in the extra hours and makes sure that he's up to speed on what's going on. So uh, it'll be really, really fun, really fun one to watch, especially uh, what's coming from each sideline. Rubber's going to meet the road somehow, Brian. I mean, this OU, this OU defense is, is given up, you know, less than 15 points a game. It's OU's defense has been one of the best scoring defenses in the country. This Texas offense averages over 36 points per game. One of those stats is going, is going to win out. It just is. It's going to be interesting to see Brian, instead of making a prediction, like we have the last few games, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to turn it around a little bit. And uh, we kind of touched on this on our our weekly OU Insider Roundtable um, on the website. But, Brian, why does Oklahoma win this game? And why does Oklahoma lose this game? I think Oklahoma wins this game because its passing offense is prolific. I, I believe that if, if Oklahoma's passing offense, Texas hasn't seen anything close to to resembling what Oklahoma provides offensively this year. They just haven't. Alabama's offense is is a mess. It's a complete mess. And, and Oklahoma is in top three in scoring uh, right now in, in the country. And so um, I, I think Oklahoma provides a challenge that Texas hasn't seen to this point. Uh, and offensively, if they can keep things going and Dylan Gabriel plays another really good game like we saw him play last week, I think Oklahoma wins the game. Oklahoma loses if it allows Quinn Ewers to, to eat uh, in the intermediate passing game. That that's, that's where he shines his, his uh, PFF grade in the intermediate passing game is an 89.1, which is really high. Really that's good. elite. Uh, his, his deep passing grade is a 57.6. He's only completed four of 19 attempts at, at that range so far this year. And so uh, if Oklahoma doesn't keep him from from getting in rhythm. I, I think it could be really difficult for them to uh, to keep them out of the end zone or at least out of the red zone. I, I agree with you there. I think Oklahoma's defense, outside of those couple of of blown coverages against Iowa State, they've done a really good job of bending but not breaking. And I think that's I think this kind of you know this kind of it goes along with what you were saying. I think it's going to be important to you know not only to not get pressure on Quinn Ewers, but I think it's going to be force don't let Quinn Ewers be comfortable and dink and dive right down the field that's 
that's what's going to be important. And I agree with you, Brian. I think it is going to be important for OU's running game to find a rhythm, but I think ultimately this game is going to be won if Dylan Gabriel plays really well. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see that wide receiver core for OU too, Brian. I mean, Angel Anthony was the leading receiver in yards and and receptions through four weeks. Last week only had one catch for 16 yards, which is not an indictment on him. It's just this offense has really been spreading the ball around mm-hmm. in the passing game. I'm curious to see – do we see that or does Andrew Anthony or Jalil Farouk or Nick Anderson maybe emerge as, as a much needed number one receiver? Um, Brian, I think that's going to do it for us in this episode of the Oklahoma drill. I appreciate everybody um, for tuning in uh, to this episode. You can find us uh, every Thursday at our OU insider YouTube channel, hit that like, hit that subscribe button. You can also find content from both of us and our colleagues, Parker Thune and Brandon Drum over at OUinsider.com. Brian, I think this is just going to be a really fun week, fun weekend. I think this is going to be a great game. I don't think it's going to be anywhere like last year. I think, I think media fans alike are, are in for what's going to be a really, really fun game. Both teams are undefeated for the first time since 2011. Both teams are ranked in the top 12. Both teams are going to the SEC next year. I think this is going to be fun, man. It really is. But anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I cannot (laughs) wait. So, but anyways, again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Let's hope for a good fun game this weekend and we'll see you guys next week.